You're listening to XVGM Radio. to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Mike. And I'm Justin. And this is episode 11, XVGM Radio presents Spooky Fest! Yes! Woo! We are here, live, in a random outdoor location, coming to you. We are surrounded by our hundreds of tens of fans. <laughs> and just listen to them. Just li- Yeah. You can hear them in the background there. And we are doing something a little different than usual for the episode. We are going to do this basically. We're here doing a radio show, like a live radio festival. Yeah, live radio coverage at a radio music festival. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes, one that we're putting on. And we've got tons of awesome Halloween and spooky related music to play you from various video games. And we are excited to be here. This is your first Spooky Fest. This is my first Spooky Fest. First Spooky Fest all around, even for all the people here. Yes, absolutely. But we hope to come back again next year and, and do it all over again. Maybe we'll come to your house and do it. Oh, yes. Yes. You could be the lucky Patreon fan. <laughs> We're going to add that as a, uh, as a yeah. tier reward now. Yeah, like $2,000 to fly <laughs> us out so we could sit in your lawn. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, spooky games, spooky music. Spooky games. Yes. Spooky music. Come on. Well come said. On. Come on. Don't be amateur about this. So, we have a bunch of really cool tracks. We kicked off the festival with New Ghostbusters 2 on the NES. This came out in 1990 in Japan and the UK, or Europe, rather, res- yep. uh, respectively. And that track was Level 4, The River of Slime. It was by Jun Ishikawa. He was the arranger of the track. The original version of the track is actually called We're Back. It's on the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack, soundtrack from the yes. movie. And that track was created by Bobby Brown, Dennis Austin, Larry White, and Kirk Crumpler. 
So, we just talked about this game fairly recently. Yeah, just we, a few episodes ago. Yeah, we, what was it, uh, episode seven, seven right? I yeah, so. yeah, the C64 episode. And that's, we also brought in the that episode with a new Ghostbusters 2, except we did the opening theme. Opening yeah, theme. The, uh, the, the title theme. Right, right, the Ray Parker Jr. Th- song. Yeah. So, I, I love this track. It's just so happy and bouncy. It's got that creepy carnival vibe to it initially. <laughs> yes. And that's... I mean, if you like the track We're Back, it's just New Jack Swing, but, you know, this is obviously a more NES-styled oh, version. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I really like the, the groove of the song. Mm-hmm. The, the, even even on the NES, there there's still, still so much going on there. So much groove. So much groove, so much in the groove. Yes. Um, and I, I really like what they did with, like, the spooky instrumentation. <laughs> um, some of the instruments that, that they're using there have, like, like almost like a ghost ooh, uh, sort of quality feel to them. Okay. Uh, which I think really makes this an appropriate track. Yeah. Yeah, one of the parts of the track where you hear, like, the woo-woo-woo-woo. Yeah. Like that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And, I mean, we, we already talked about this game fairly recently, so if you are kind of not sure, go back and listen to episode 7. Basically, this is a game that came out, it was created by HAL Laboratories. That's why Jun Ishikawa is on this track, uh, because Jun Ishikawa is pretty much the HAL Laboratories phenomenon. (laughs) Phenomenon. Composer, also known as a phenomenon. Yeah. So uh, Jun Ishikawa has done so many Kirby games, just like pretty much almost every single Kirby game. I I think it's every one of them. Almost every single one, yeah, if not all of them. So, (laughs) but... Bobby Brown, not so much known for his video game music. So this no. is obviously like arranged <laughs> and licensed. Um, I guess they got the permission to do it. Which is, I guess the reason why this game didn't come out in the U.S. is because Activision had the rights yes. to the game. Uh, and they came out with their own Ghostbusters 2, which is based on the second movie. Right. And I really like that game, too. I mean, it was definitely better than the first game. <laughs> yes, it was. But that's not saying much. No, it's, I mean, the first game wasn't designed uh, to be a Ghostbusters game. No. Was, uh, I, th- I think I made a post about that a while back, uh-huh. um, around the time that we did that episode. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, so I mean, it was another game that they kind of slapped Ghostbusters on, mm-hmm. and that's why it kind of wasn't that great. But yeah. Ghostbusters 2, I have to say, I have not played Ghostbusters 2 on the NES because I didn't the original? play the first one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I should probably go back and, and take a look at that. Yeah. But I'd love to play this one. I don't know if it's any good, but mm. the music on it like has been consistently good. Yes, the music is fantastic, and the game is great, too. So new Ghostbusters nice. 2, I highly, highly recommend anybody who is a Ghostbusters fan or just a good game fan <laughs> to pick it up because it's really good. Um, it's like a top-down Zelda kind of game oh, in nice. the sense that you know you're kind of walking around um, the different levels. It's all level-based, but yeah. you're walking around and you have a partner with you. Um, one of the four, I think it's one of the four Ghostbusters. I think they put Winston in it mm-hmm. for whatever reason. They always leave Winston out. I don't know why. It's weird. But anyways, yeah. So. But the second Ghostbusters game that came out for NES, you actually do also play as the four uh, Ghostbusters individually. So each level that you play, you get to play as the different Ghostbusters, and you get to play like the scene where they are controlling the uh, Statue of Liberty with the NES advantage. And you actually get to control the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I don't know too many games where you get to do that, so it's pretty. You should funny. have made it so where it's a special level that only unlocks if you have an NES advantage plugged into your console. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. 
That would be so meta, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> super. Like, you're playing a game with an NES advantage that the characters from the movie are also playing with an NES advantage. Exactly. Like, super meta. <laughs> So the first track that we're going to get into on this spooky journey is my pick, and it's from Monster House on the Game Boy Advance. This game came out in 2006. This track is called Floor 4, and it is composed by Manfred Lindner of Shinnen. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's spook it up. Woo! back that was monster house on the game boy advance <laughs> that was the 2006 release and that was floor four it's hard to say floor four yeah, yeah. by uh, manfred lindsner uh, manfred lindsner is also part of the group shinen I, I think that's how you pronounce it shinen Shinnen? Shinnen? I don't know. Yeah. They are a company that basically does specifically like sound in video games, and they oh. mostly did like Game Boy Advance, DS, like that era, like DSi, like that type of stuff. They did the Iridian soundtrack for Iridian, Iridian 2, Nano Stray, the Nano Stray games. Manfred Lindner himself basically did all this stuff. He did all the programming, the engineering on a lot of uh, these games as well. He did a bunch of other games for the Game Boy Advance, like uh, the Power Rangers Time Force game. That oh, yeah. it's it's a different Time Force game than the one that uh, Natsume did, because Natsume did the Game Boy Color version. He did the Game Boy Advance version. Uh-huh. He did a lot of Game Boy Advance version uh, for games, uh, mostly like licensed games. But the thing to keep in mind about this is he also created something called the Gax Sound Engine. And Gax was designed as a sort of like a, an audio engine that uh, you could use on, like, for example, the Game Boy Advance, and it would uh, allow you to put like really high quality sounds and music, but using very low CPU and, and ROM usage. Oh, nice! So it it really what he got out of the Gax Sound Engine is just like incredible stuff. Yeah, I've, does that stand for anything? Is that G A K S G A X? Yeah, they they gave it just the name Gax. I think it stands for like game audio. I don't know. 
XVGM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I don't um, know. Either way, I mean, the, the the sounds that they that they got, especially for for this song, were really good. I'm I'm used to hearing GBA stuff that doesn't sound like the the. It's well composed, but it doesn't sound all that great. Right. The arrangements on Game Boy Advance are usually very hit or miss. Yes. It's it's mostly due to the fact that the hardware that they were utilizing, just the drivers just weren't up to snuff. And even like today, it's really hard to get like really good sounding, high quality versions of Game Boy Advance music. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple sound like there's some soundtracks out there that you can get that are high quality, but you know, it's getting better. But I love this track. I fell in love with this track while looking for music for this episode Mm -hmm. and found this accidentally and it's just it's so dark and evil sounding it sounds really like really kind of classic horror to me it does yeah it it, it sounds almost like something you'd hear in like maybe Friday the 13th Mm -hmm. or like Nightmare on Elm Street or something like that it's just like you're you're in a scary movie man Mm -hmm. probably gonna die yeah 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 which is weird because if I remember Monster House was like a kid's scary movie yeah so I it's it's funny that uh, I picked this one because I'm actually reviewing this game (laughs) Uh, so the review should be out hopefully fingers crossed should be out by now so go check it out i watched the movie again to like you know familiarize myself with the content and the movie doesn't really have a lot of this type of sound in it though but it is kind of like a darker kids movie yeah like it's got a lot of moments that i'm like yo if i was a kid and i saw this like a little (laughs) kid like i'd be terrified so there's there's a lot of spooky stuff there's a lot of fun stuff funny stuff in the movie but it's 3d animated right yeah it's one of those uh yeah yeah Yeah. steven spielberg did it so Uh, it's it's dreamworks yeah game in particular is fantastic it's like resident evil meets like zelda like top down zelda link to the past style you're going through the mansion. Um, you could play as uh, all three characters. DJ, who's the, like, um, they're all, like, teenagers, like, preteen. Okay. Uh, there's DJ, who's the main male character. Then there's Jenny, who's the female, you know, lead character. And then there's Chowder, who's, like, this the, the fat, like, lovable, yeah, you yeah. know, kind of, like, Freddy Cat kind of um, sidekick. Yeah, yeah. If you will. And Chowder's kind of like the power powerhouse uh, <laughs> of, the, of the game. I mean... You'll watch my review, so you'll you'll know <laughs> if you watch the review, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to Monster House. I go really in depth on the game and, and discuss it, um, but yeah, it's it's basically top down Resident Evil That's for really the most cool. part. Yeah, it's really cool. You go through the different floors of the mansion to try to stop the house from you know eating other people and <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So it's it's cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's a good game. So and great soundtrack. I just I love the start and stop. Oh, feel to the, it yeah, where yeah. it's like dun 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 and then it's it cuts out and you're like was that it and then it <laughs> comes back in and just keeps doing that throughout the entire track that whole start stop thing yep. I'm a sucker for that I love that in video game music yeah the piano the piano hits uh, particularly were, were very very hard and it it's great because when it hits the particularly the low notes, I feel like it's sort of the second half of the mm-hmm. loop. The the lower piano hits, they they linger. Like mm-hmm. it makes your like body vibrate. Yeah, almost. yeah, yeah. The dong. Yeah. Like it's really thick and heavy. And then you've got those weird like horns, those really dark, mm. evil sounding horns that kind of come up towards the end of the track where it's like yep. where like during each start and stop at the end you'll hear those horns come in like fade in and fade out uh, at, at the end of each part and it's just like it's, it's just gripping it's a really <laughs> gripping track so, so hey, uh, 
Somebody's coming up to the booth. Yeah. Looks like Dan from Medieval. Uh, oh, wow. We got a celebrity in yeah, here. Yeah. Sweet. How can we help you? Um, I would imagine it's hard to communicate when you don't have a bottom jaw. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Uh, let's say we split the difference here and play a track from the first game, Medieval. That sounds like a plan. I think he wants candy, though. I think that's why he's here. I don't, I don't know if he can... Chew it? Yeah, um, maybe it. he'll just candy maybe, corn. Yeah, there you go. Maybe he'll just uh, you know just gulp it down. <laughs> Who knows? So we'll uh, we'll play the Hilltop Mausoleum from Dan's game Medieval, which came out on the PS One in nineteen ninety eight. This is composed by Paul Arnold and Andrew Barnabas. back that was the hilltop mausoleum from medieval uh which came out on the ps1 in 1998 it was composed by paul arnold and andrew barnabas i admit i have no experience with this game but i love this track <laughs> it was great i mean I, i'm a sucker for organs yep so well as a as a fan of castlevania how could you not be? oh absolutely <laughs> no i just really love the whole baroque era yes. of of classical music it's just really really awesome i don't know what it is about organs and harpsichords but they light my fire they light my fire my friend probably has a lot to do with you not growing up in the catholic church <laughs> 
It's the, the only. <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, not not to say anything bad about the Catholic Church, but man, the music. Like I I like organs, and I, I appreciate them much more these days. But mm. growing up like that, it's like oh, you hear an organ, and I just start falling asleep. So I don't know if you know this, but in in synagogue they do have organs as well. Really? Yeah, oh. a lot of a lot of synagogues do have organs. So they do they do play that sort of stuff, but it's all not baroque. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the music would would more than likely be be very different. True. But I just it used to be that I'd hear organs and I just sort of start falling asleep. And then when I eventually <laughs> discovered you know baroque music and mm. stuff like that, it was like wow, there's actual like fun things you can do with the mm. music on an organ. And there th- th- this is sort of proof of that. It it starts off really really well with. The, uh, the organ and those horns, and mm. then it just kind of builds and builds, adding you know the the strings and the vocals. And this song feels sort of like so earlier I was saying the song from Monster House so, sounded like um like a classic horror. Sure, I feel like this is like old world. I don't know if I'd say horror, scary stories, but like this feels like old world, like Dracula, Frankenstein, right? Stuff. Like the Universal monsters. Yes, yes. Not necessarily like like slasher movies. Yes, exactly. That's right, a good, right, right. Good comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's a, a pretty distinct difference there. So, but I agree with you. I think that this is more like the old school Universal, like not really the Hammer horror films, but you know, like this is like the the old school Dracula type. You know Frankenstein's monster, that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, and that I mean that that really makes sense too, uh, mm-hmm. considering the setting of the game. So you said earlier that you haven't played this game. Right. I haven't played it in a very long time. I played it when it first came out in the PS One. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you who enjoyed it or never got a chance to play it and want to give it a try, it's apparently being remade for the PS4, mm. uh, getting re- getting a remaster like so many so, other good So many games. remasters, yeah. Spyro got a remaster, Crash got a remaster. Ratchet so. & Clank. Ratchet uh, & Clank, right. A lot, a lot of those old classic games. Mm-hmm. But so the plot of the game is that there's an evil sorcerer named Zarok who wants to take over the kingdom of Galomir with his undead army and Sir Daniel Fortescue that's uh, Dan that we mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. uh, he led the king's king of Galamir's army to victory and managed to kill this sorcerer Mm. before he himself succumbed to his wounds in reality however he was actually killed by the first arrow fired in the battle so sort of all this stuff kind of happened in his head Mm. Uh, and then a hundred years later the uh, the sorcerer reappears casting a spell over Galamir uh, bring his undead army back and Dan rises from his grave and (laughs) but Rise from your grave. Exactly. Dave Thomas, <laughs> rise from your grave. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so, and so he, the game's fun. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's it's uh, sort of an action hack and slash game. Okay. I never played... Yeah, yeah I, I don't know why I never played this. I really don't. It seems like something I would I would love, but... You know what it is? I think I just thought the character was too goofy. He, he is goofy. I mean, yeah. he's he's a very cartoony-looking skeleton, uh, yeah. missing the bottom jaw, yeah. uh, in, in like knight's armor, so he, he's a little goofy. we gotta, we got to keep it down, though, because he's right over there, so, you know, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to say too, ma- too many negative things about him, so... <laughs> I mean... He does really well. Yeah, so that he, yeah. Uh, he he did well enough to get a to get a sequel, Medieval Two. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, it, overall, it was really good. I don't know if I would have known about it had I not been for you know, those PlayStation demo discs. Sure, it was, sure. Um, it was one of the games that I got to play a demo of, and I was hmm. just like, "Wow, this is a lot of fun." <laughs> Is that like that's, that's kid Justin? That's kid Justin. Whoa, this is a lot of fun. Whoa, guys, 
<laughs> all right, all right. So uh, the composers, tell me about them. So two composers, as earlier mentioned, Paul Arnold has done a number of things, uh, and he's even been somewhat recently active. Ooh. Started out back in 1996 with a game called Creatures, did sound effects for that, and then did music for Frogger in 1997. A couple of other bigger titles, uh, Beast Wars Transformers, obviously Medieval, Gran Turismo 2, Medieval 2 he did the music for as mm. well, Primal, Pac-Man All-Stars... Uh, Shellshock 2 Blood Trails and then up till more recently he did some tracks on Forza Motorsport 4 in 2011 and most recently Riggs Mechanized Combat League in 2016. Yeah. Uh, it seems like he's mostly like bouncing back and forth between composition and like sound supervising yeah. or sound uh, engineering. So Yeah, a lot of the more recent stuff it's uh, mostly like the, the, the supervis- supervisory positions. Hmm. Okay. But Andrew Barnabas also has a number of different things to uh, his name. He composed music on a game called Swiv or SWIV in 1991. Oh. Uh, and did some music in Double Dragon 3, The Rosetta Stone. Mm-hmm. Moving up to Disney's Aladdin in 1994, he did uh, some of the music arrangement for that, ah. for the, the music that came from the film. Aladdin. Yes. Probably working for Virgin Entertainment because he also has credits for Global Gladiators and Cool Spot. Yep. So he's probably working with Tommy Tallarico. Yes. More than likely. Mm-hmm. Um, he also worked on Creatures and Frogger in 96-97 with his uh, buddy there. Did more of Medieval for Medieval 2. Uh, mm-hmm. Did the soundtrack on that. Pac-Man All-Stars uh, also in 2002. Neverwinter Nights 2. Storm of Zaheer in 2008. Mm-hmm. And again, ending in 2016 with Riggs Mechanized Combat League. He wrote some music and produced some music mm-hmm. for that. Looks like more composition, less sound engineering, but yes. still he had some some of that in there. Cool. Okay. So that's, yeah, I'm going to have to check this game out because I know nothing about it. And <laughs> speaking of which, here's another game I know almost nothing about. It's Nightmare Circus on the Sega Genesis. This track came out in 1996, a pretty late release for the Genesis. The track is called Wall of Death. It's by Kurt Harland, Jim Hedges, and Andy Armour.
Welcome back to Spooky Fest, and that was Nightmare Circus on the Sega Genesis. That was the 1996 release. The track we listened to is Wall of Death, and that was by Kurt Harland, Jim Hedges, and Andy Armour. So this is a weird game. <laughs> Super weird game. Uh, it's a Genesis beat-em-up uh, developed by Funcom and published by Tectoy. Tectoy, I think, is that Brazilian company. They're like a Brazilian toy company. Uh, based out of Sao Paulo, and they were largely responsible for bringing Sega products to Brazil huh. and to South America, so it's pretty cool. Nightmare Circus is a game where you are in a circus that is taking place in Arizona. Oh. I guess the circus burns down, and there's this... Uh, the, the Whoever was the operator, I guess his name is Jester... He is basically cashing in on the insurance policy. Yeah. Jester was, you know, responsible for all the people that got killed in the fire. But uh, I guess he was sentenced to be executed. But before he was executed, he basically cursed the victims, which Jeez. is weird. Terrible. So years and years and years later, you're playing as this main character. His name is Raven. He's a Native American man. Hmm. And he was one of the people who lost relatives in that tragedy. So he goes to investigate to try to learn more about what happened. And then he's there until, like, the evening. And that's when things get kind of crazy because the psychic energy of Jester recreates the burnt-down circus. Hmm. And so you're going through the whole game in this creepy, crazy nightmare circus... And it's just weird. It's a very visually weird game for the Genesis because it looks inferior graphically. That's weird. It's it's really harsh looking graphically. Like if they were going for like a really dark, dingy tone, they nailed it because it doesn't look as polished as other Genesis games visually. Music-wise, though, th this is all really good stuff. The yeah. soundtrack, you could tell that Kurt Harlan worked on this. Kurt Harlan, uh, better known to Information Society fans uh, for the synth-pop band, he's the vocalist, and I believe he's also one of the composers as well. And uh, he, you know, he owned the rights during the, like, around this time, he owned, I believe he owned the rights to the, the group. So he was like actually using some of the music that came from some of the Information Society's oh, albums wow. in certain games. Like I know Balls 3D has some music from him and Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver he worked on. That has some music from some of the Information Society games, supposedly. So wow, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. He did X-Men 2 Clone Wars, which he did a phenomenal soundtrack on that. He worked on the uh, sound effect for the Death Junior series, <laughs> uh, as well as additional audio. Um, his last game was Resistance Burning Skies in 2012. Uh, since then, he rejoined Information Society initially as like a temporary thing, like a, you know, kind of like a part-timer, and then yeah. he jumped on full-time, so he's like back in the band, so it's Very pretty nice. cool. Yeah, yeah. Jim Hedges is a composer that's composed for a bunch of different stuff, working on games with like Crystal Dynamics. So that, that probably makes a lot of sense. And that's also where Kurt Harland was also working, too, for a brief point in time when he was working on the Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver soundtrack with uh, with Mr. Hedges here. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, two. Blood Omen 2, I think. Yeah. That's what it's called. Uh, well, he also did Legacy of Kane. 
Soul like, Reaver. Like of Kane he, Blood. He, yeah, he yeah, did yeah. Soul Reaver 2 as well, which That's is Legacy. Of, yeah. He did Soul Reaver 2, which is Legacy of Kane, but th- there's also Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver 1. Right. Right, right. And Blood, Blood Omen was sort of the other side of that. There's a Legacy Blood of Omen Kane 2, yes. A, a whole, there's, there's, yeah, Blood Omen, like, um, Soul Reaver. Yep. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I, yeah, I hear you. I really have only played the first Soul Reaver, like, very briefly, so. He did Gex, Enter the Gecko, and Gex 3 Deep Cover Gecko with John Baker, and he's pretty much stuck with that kind of stuff, like uh, some of the licensed stuff. Andy Armour, kind of the same page. I uh, worked on some sound and music for Dark Age of Camelot, which is an online game, uh, kind of like a precursor to World of Warcraft. Also did his first game, which was NFL 95 in 1994, NCAA Football in 94, Echo the Tides of Time. He worked on some of the music for that, uh, as well as Echo Jr. Three Dirty Dwarves, he did the music <laughs> composition for that, for the Sega Saturn exclusive. His final game was Get On to Mike in 2004, where he's credited for a track called Hypnotize. Wow. So that is Nightmare Circus. It's a weird game. I have to say, I I think I mentioned in a previous episode that I'm not usually a fan of sort of the music that comes out of the Genesis. Sure. Because uh, often people... The, the way, it's just the way that the, the sound chip is utilized. That Depends I, I, what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I was going to say for this. Uh, I actually really enjoyed this one. Okay. It was... Cool. Uh, I mean, I saw I saw the word Genesis there, and I was like, all right, what's this going to be? <laughs> and then I was pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, this is actually, it's actually really fun. The game sounds insane. <laughs> yeah. No, the game is nuts. There's some crazy sprite animation. I will say that. And, you know, you're, you're making your sprite... The, the main character do things what's his name Raven I think you're making Raven do things in the game that you don't normally see characters doing in video games like there's an animation for him like shimming upwards on a wall oh, wow. like climbing up uh, like an upright wall which was pretty impressive so there's this part where you fight these like kind of faceless trapeze artist people and they're like bouncing from you know pole to pole and it's 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 pretty crazy so yeah very visually impressive in that aspect but yeah this is a dark dingy game so if you want something perfect and something you haven't checked out for the spooky season yes definitely check this game out so let's move to something a little friendlier what do you got for us so interestingly enough you're talking about jim hedges earlier and he does uh, or did a lot of the a WB cartoon type game, yes, like, um, Looney Tunes and stuff. Yeah, yep. uh, so uh, surprisingly, he did not do this next one. We're gonna listen to a track from Tiny Toons Adventures: Buster Busts Loose on the SNES in 1992. The track is called Stage Three Spooky Mansion. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Stage Three Spooky Mansion. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and this is composed by Kazuhiko Udahara and Yuki Morimoto. Spooky. Thank you. 
Hey, I hope everybody's having a good time at Spooky Fest. Woo! Yeah. So that track that we just heard was Stage 3, Spooky Mansion. And that was from Tiny Toon Adventures, Buster Busts Loose on the SNES in 1992, composed by Kazuhiko Urehara and Yuki Morimoto. Yeah, that track was pretty spooky. Yes. <laughs> the game is... Well, not the game. The, the game's not spooky. No, not at all. The uh, the, the level is, is spooky. Combine, combines a bunch of elements from some of the, the spookier episodes of uh, Tiny Toons. Mm. The track itself was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it, it invokes that sillier, goofier, more light-hearted yeah. vibe of the spooky types of tracks. I would agree. I thought some of the some of the, some of the samples were a little rough, but mm-hmm. overall the 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 feeling was there and the the effort was was well made. Really? I don't know. I I thought that the classical music samples, the orchestral samples that they used were pretty well done for the most part. I thought that I mean it's Pretty typical Konami. One of the reasons why you don't see Jim Hedges mm. on this is because it's Konami. Konami. That's right. Right, right. So not too many Western composers working on Konami stuff, yeah. especially <laughs> back in the '90s. So they kept it all in house. Yeah. So what goes on in this level? Tell me about it, because I know you're a pretty big fan of this game. So yeah, oh, I remember I, I, I bought. We we were out shopping for games, and mm-hmm. I, I picked this up, and mm-hmm. we came back to your apartment at the time, and then I played through it in like two hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the game itself, just to give people an overview, it's not as story-driven as, mm-hmm. as some other games you might play. The, the Really, the only consistency in the story is that you're playing as Buster and these... The, uh, any bus loose. Any bus loose, yeah. <laughs> um, and ends up in these different uh, di- different situations. Each level is more or less like sort of like an episode. The first level is Acme University. You're actually late for class and you're trying to get to class and then you find out that Dizzy's going crazy in the cafeteria. So he busts loose. He, he busts loose as well. <laughs> uh, and then in stage two, you're in no, the No, Buster what? does. Buster busts Buster loose as well. <laughs> every, every level. Buster, every level. Bust just loose. Buster like running around like he's... Hopped up on goofballs and wackadoos. Goofballs and wackadoos. Yeah, yeah. And carrots. Yeah. Uh, level two, he busts into a Western movie. Uh, Montana Max is classic villain mm. trying to steal something, uh, and you, you run through there. Uh, and then this level, stage three, is the Spook Mansion. Uh, it after- actually references a number of Tiny Toons episodes, including Stuff That Goes Bump in the Night, uh, You Asked For It, Return to the Acme Acres Zone, and a couple other things. But it, it all takes place, like, you get caught out in the rain uh, in, in a cutscene before the, the level, uh, and you enter this mansion uh, mm. to get out of the rain, and there's just there's ghosts everywhere, and you're trying to get yourself through the mansion without getting spookified. Spookified, yeah. There's actually, I, I don't have that much experience with that many Tiny Toon games, other than the first game that came out on the NES. NES yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that one. I also, I mean... I think with Tiny Toons, like, I was a fan of Tiny Toons when it was on, but since then I have not gone back and watched the show. I have gone back and watched Animaniacs Mm. uh, and some some other WB shows. and Animaniacs is great. Yeah. So there were two different 16-bit games, I think, that came out for Tiny Toons. One was on the Genesis, one was on the Super NES. Um, And they're both totally different, but they both, I think you play as Buster in both of them. 
and I, I tend to prefer the Genesis version uh, a little bit more. I think the gameplay is a little better. You know, I think you have a little bit better control of Buster. I think they're both made by Konami too. So uh. yeah, yeah. No, I, I I think this this game is fun overall. It's just not as good as the Genesis game. That's fair. I've never actually played the Genesis game. I'll have to, I'll, uh, I'll I have have to it. check it out. Yeah, I have yeah. it. We'll, we'll have to sit down and play through it. So the composers on this, uh, as I said, uh, Kazuhiko Urahara has a ton of Konami sound production and uh, music under their belt. Started doing sound effects in Vampire Killer in 1986. Moved on to some musical arrangement in Snatcher in 1988. Mm -hmm. Music composition in Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake. Did some sound editing in one of my favorite games, Gradius 3 in 1990. Mm -hmm. And we move along to mostly sound design and sound producer. NBA Give and Go 1995 uh, sound production. Goemon's Great Adventure 1998 was a sound Mm -hmm. producer. Uh, Did a bunch of the Gambare Goemon games. Oh yeah, yeah. Of them. Mm-hmm. And then the most recent uh, entry that I see is International Superstar Soccer 3 in 2003. Uh, they did lead sound producer. Word. Yep. And then you have Yuki Morimoto with slightly less to their name, but uh, still some pretty good games. Uh, again, uh, Gradius 3 in 1990, Vulcan Venture in 1998 mm. did sound design, Dracula 3, Dracula's Curse, they did sound, so, some music in Poppin' Twinbee, Rainbow Bell Adventures in 1994. Uh, and then the most recent entry that they were uncredited for in 2007 was I Want to Be the Guy, the movie, the game. Right, uh, based on music composer, previous yeah. music that yes. they created. Yeah, pretty solid stuff. I mean, I always did Konami-based spookiness, <laughs> especially with Castlevania. But Heck yeah. let's move over to a Double Helix-developed game, which is based on a rare property. This is Killer Instinct on the Xbox One uh, in 2013. This is Killer Instinct on Xbox One in 2013. Uh, the PC release came out in 2016. This is Lycanthropy. Lycanthropy? Lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. <laughs> Sounds like a, a throat disease. <laughs> <laughs> this is Saberwolf's theme. This is by Mick Gordon, and it's taking influence in a callback from Robin Beanland and Graham Norgate's original Killer Instinct Saberwolf track. Sweet. Yeah.
Welcome back to Spooky Fest, and that was Killer Instinct on the Xbox One that came out in 2013, and PC's release in 2016 that was Lycanthropy. No, I did it again. <laughs> Lycanthropy, Saberwolf Steam, and that was by Mick Gordon with callbacks to the original Robin Beanland and Graham Norgate track. Very nice. Yes, very long. That's like a seven to eight minute song, Ooh. but. Worth it. <laughs> it, it, it. Worth it because I, I first off I love 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 the the idea of having sound effects as as percussion. Yeah. So you have those like locking sound effects like like uh, I didn't realize those were sound effects. Yeah. I just assumed that that that, that this uh, song had like an industrial root or something. Oh like, okay. It, it I mean it kind of does because yeah. it's Mick Gordon. Well that's fair. Yeah. It, it it felt very industrial. It also mm. it also reminded me a lot of uh, a band called Apocalyptica. Okay. Yep. Uh, yep. They, yep. They do like string covers of Metallica, Metallica songs. Yeah. 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 No, all those like the the percussion like it, it sounds like like doors getting slammed or yeah. or chests like giant chests oh. getting slammed or it sounds like locks on like doors. So in my mind, what I'm thinking is that the, this just like genius idea of having percussion and sound effects kind of as the same thing so using this utilizing the sound effects as percussion where you've got uh, this this great rhythm like the rhythm section on this is just phenomenal and then on top of that you've got these fantastic strings that are just really emotional and really like uh, re very very well done just Oh man, this track just oozes <laughs> Halloween to me yeah when, yeah. I th when I think video games with Halloween music this track, comes to mind so I can see why it yeah. was super spooky mm -hmm. um, and, and then I love the end too with mm. the um, original callback to the Robin Beanland and Graham Norgate Killer Instinct track the, yeah. the Saber Wolf track that was super intense mm -hmm. yeah, so far this is probably top of my list of what we've heard, what we've heard oh, today really yes interesting well, so Mick Gordon is kind of like a showstopper. He started out working on Hot Dog King. Yep, that's Damn, a game. That's starting off strong. Starting off strong with Hot Dog King in 2006. Not anything to do with Hot Dog Storm, for the record, which oh. is an arcade game. He then moved on and did Real Racing in 2009, El Tigre, The Adventures of Manny Rivera in 2008. You know, he kind of did a bunch of, like, Need for Speed games, uh, where he scored the music. Uh, that was in 2010 and 2011. Uh, and then moved into Battle Group in 2012. Pretty much when he came out with Killer Instinct, that was, like, the beginning of... of of his career, yeah. uh, really taking off. He started also doing Wolfenstein The New Order in 2014, oh. uh, and Wolfenstein The Old Blood in 2015, and then Wolfenstein II The New Colossus in 2017. He also did the Doom soundtrack, the newer, new one. The new uh -huh. one. Yeah, so that's probably why it sounds familiar. Yeah. And then, and then he did Prey in 2017, the remake or oh, the yeah. reboot of that, and then also Lawbreakers in 2017, which was, I think, like a battle arena. Hmm. Arena battle or whatever, whatever, whatever Overwatch is. That's oh, it's just an FPS. That's an arena battle. I guess there, there's different modes. I don't know, it's, like Fortnite or whatever. I mean, for, for, Fortnite and uh, PUBG are are those battle royale. Battle royale, yeah. yeah. So I think Lawbreakers and Overwatch are also 
Battle Overwatch Royale. Overwatch is not a is oh, it's not a not? Battle Royale. No. Oh, okay. It is uh, six on six or three on three, depending on what, what you're playing with. It's okay. Just, it's, it's an FPS. <laughs> so, and then Robin Beanland, just to touch on uh, the original composers for the uh, the original Saber Wolf track, uh, Robin Beanland and Graham Norgate worked for Rare for quite some time, did work on uh, Killer Instinct, Donkey Kong Country, GoldenEye, Jeff Force, Gemini, Star Fox Adventures, Saber uh, Wolf, which is not... It's based on the original Saber Wolf character from hmm. way, way, way back when, when when they initially started out. But, like, Saber Wolf, the character, is also sort of also based on the Killer Instinct character. I don't know. It's a big mess. Uh, huh. It's Mr. Pants in 2004. He's accredited as Squeaky Pants. Oh. So that is something. Wait, Mr. Pants or Mr. Fancy Pants? It's Mr. Pants. Oh, okay. It's a Game Boy Advance game. Oh, okay. Yes. No, there's an Xbox game called like Fancy Pants Advance or something. Either uh, way. Okay. Skip over that. So also did fairly recently Sea of Thieves in 2018. Ooh, yeah. So he's still with, uh, he's still with Rare. Uh, at this point, Graham Norgate left Rare in like right around like 2000 to join Free Radical, and oh, they yes. did uh, Time Splitters 2, Time Splitters Future Perfect. I believe he also worked on the original Time Splitters in 2000. Basically, what happened was he worked on Killer Instincts, Donkey Kong Land, GoldenEye 007, Diddy Kong Racing, and Blast Corps, and Jeff Force Gemini. And then at that point in time, in 2000, he was working on Perfect Dark, and that's when he left to join Free Radical. So. He is credited on there, but uh, I believe he left, and then Grant Kirkhope kind of picked up the oh, reins and, yep. and worked on the rest of the soundtrack. So his last game was Homefront: The Revolution in 2016, where he was the audio director. Oh, yeah. So uh, hey, I don't know if you see who's coming over to our booth, but it looks like it's oh, wow. one of our uh, patrons, nice. uh, Cam Warma. So hey, Cam, what's up? What's going on, man? Hey, what can we do for you? Oh, hey guys. Um, I hear you're taking requests for spooky tunes. Hey, uh, Kim, I don't want to be, uh, I don't know, a bummer or anything, but uh, this isn't Spooky Tunes. No, no. Yeah, I'm sorry. This isn't Spooky Tunes. It's Spooky, spooky Fest. Spooky Fest. Is that what this is? Oh, I thought it was a Lady Gaga wardrobe demo. Yeah, that's what it is. It says so on the sign over there. Well, I am wearing my best ball gown. How about the discolored wall from uh, Castlevania Bloodlines? Well, hey, that sounds like a great track. It's one of my favorites. I love that song and that game. So... Heck yeah. So what's your favorite VGM-based podcast, Cam? Oh, that's easy. It's VGM. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's play that track. Yeah. So this is by Mishiru Yamane. This is Castlevania Bloodlines. The track is called The Discolored Wall, and this is the 1994 Genesis release.
Welcome back to Spooky Fest, and that was our Patreon pick for Mr. Cam Worma, and that was Castlevania Bloodlines. He picked the Genesis 1994 release for the track Discolored Wall by Mishru Yamane. And hey, I don't know if you've seen this, Justin. I mean, obviously we haven't been walking around the festival yet to kind of, you know, take a peek at, at what's here, but I have noticed that Belmont's Wall Me is here. Have you had their stuff? Uh, I think somebody brought me a turkey leg earlier, actually. Yeah? yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I just want to let everybody know that this show is sponsored by Belmont's Wall Meat. Taste the power. Or that might be just concrete. Yeah, yeah. It's a very good possibility. <laughs> so, Mishri Yamane is one of my favorite composers. She's done a good chunk of the Castlevania soundtracks. Mm. Uh, pretty much this was, I believe, yes, this was her first Castlevania soundtrack. She also did stuff on Cowboys of Mumesa, the arcade game. Yes, yes. Um, you know, she also did a game that I recently picked up, which I'm pretty excited to play. I just got to get a magic swap to do it on my PS2. It's called Sword of Etheria. It came out in Japan and PAL regions. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, we did not get this one, but it's kind of like loosely based on The Wizard of Oz. Oh, like nice. Very loosely based, but uh, yeah, it's got soundtrack from her. So yeah, she's done... Tons and tons of stuff. Great composer. Fantastic. One of my favorites. Want to give her hugs and kisses, but, you know, the platonic kind. Right, you right. Know? You don't want to get too creepy. No, no, no. Just like, uh, I love you so much. <laughs> You're so great. Not a big deal. Not just, you know. So, th- this song has the boah sound. It does. Yeah. It does. Which it, I love. Boah. <laughs> Yeah, it's again another another Genesis track that I didn't hate. I, I know that's not high praise, or at least most people wouldn't think uh, think so. But for a Genesis track, it is high mm-hmm. praise. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't very twarmpy. It was not as twarmpy as uh, as, as I, I thought it was going to be when it started mm-hmm. out, and it was enjoyable. I have not played Castlevania Bloodlines on the Genesis. I don't know many people who have other than you. I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Castlevania Bloodlines, uh, you know, I didn't grow up with this one, Mm. but it is one of the first Genesis games I ever picked up, and I think it's a great game, a great Castlevania game, and just one of the best games on the Genesis period. So it's a lot of fun. You could play as either uh, John Morris or Eric Lacard, so... Right, right. Eric Lacard's kind of like easy mode. He has the spear, and he could do, like, the super jump, whereas John Morris is, like, the more traditional, like, Belmont-style whip jump and whip so uh, I know Cam is a huge Bloodlines fan he and I get into discussions all the time on <laughs> why he's wrong about Super Castlevania 4 being the best the best yeah. and him thinking that it's not so he's wrong about that no, I mean clearly Lords of Shadow is the best Castlevania oh. <laughs> sorry uh, no, hey I, I anyone at the festival we're putting out a new call for a uh, new host, new host. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest I did not like that game at all yeah well I, I liked it less than you did actually you may have it's <laughs> a very strong possibility you, but you played it all the way through right? I did I beat, yeah, I beat I, Lords of Shadow I couldn't I, did. I, didn't, I, I couldn't stomach it no hmm. eh, oh well <laughs> either way either way so Bloodlines is great Great game, great soundtrack. This level in particular, and the music in this level in particular, was always really creepy mm. to me. It was always like, I think it's that wah, yeah. you know, it's that, a very unsettling noise. Yeah, it's it's just weird because you know to get that kind of a noise out of the Genesis, it, it can't possibly be accidental. <laughs> you know, no. I mean, you you made a point to say that there aren't a lot of Genesis tracks that uh, or Genesis soundtracks that you found in your own you know kind of self discovery right. that you were not a fan of. But I can assure you, <laughs> there is some fantastic Genesis music and Bloodlines. 
for the most part, overall, is is one of the, the best soundtracks on the Genesis, so... I don't doubt you. I, yeah. And I mean, I, I know there's definitely good Genesis music out there. Mm-hmm. I just, unfortunately, I have not been exposed to much right, of it. Right, right. I actually enjoyed much of the music from, like, the old Sonic games. Yep. It's just, it's all about, you know, who's working that audio processor. Yes, yes, I agree, I agree. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pop your Genesis cherry in no time. <laughs> so, that is pretty much it for that track. So, speaking of Bloodlines, uh, the next track that we're going to move into is from a game called Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. We didn't play in this. No, not at all, actually. <laughs> uh, surprisingly. This game came out on the PC in 2004, and the track is called Vesuvius by Rick W. Schaefer.
Hey, thanks for sticking around. That was Vesuvius off of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, which came out in 2004 on the PC and was composed by Rick W. Schaefer. To clarify regarding this track, it's kind of hard to find online because it's not on the official soundtrack, but it is in the game. Do do, do you happen to know where it's... Yes, it so it's interesting because it was originally marked when I picked it as unused. Right. One of the problems, I don't want to call it a problem because this game is fantastic, but one of the sort of quote-unquote problems with this game mm. is that there are so many mods out there and whatnot that, that do different things. I mean, I, I've been playing it recently with a graphical upgrade mod mm. that I got, which, because normally the game, it was you know put out in 2004, right, so it right. runs on like 4x3. Mm. Uh, so even if you put it on like a widescreen monitor, it, it forces it to 4x3. Mm. So there's a mod that makes it bigger. I forget what the mod is called, but it's, it's like this... The, the one mod that everybody has, it, it, it fixes some graphical things, it fixes some quest line things. So there are mods that will also change out the music. Uh, so I don't know if this song was originally not used and then added back in by a mod or if it was really used, but there's a club called Vesuvius okay. that's run by a vampire named Vivi. And this uh, the song in some form of the game again I'm not sure if it's the original or one of the one of the modded versions mm. it plays during uh, during one of the scenes with her okay. um, when, you, when you're chatting with her ah okay okay I feel like this track is just waiting for like Bono to, to show up <laughs> I don't know it, I for whatever reason this screamed like early 2000s late 90s U2 really? yeah like I'm waiting for him to just pop up and be like <laughs> I am the sun, or something like that. I don't oh, know. Wow. I'm not a big fan of you two. So Neither I am I. Wouldn't actually know. I, I, I just know that. <laughs> I think it's those drums. That, I, that's I, fair. I think that's a big part. Like it, it's that overproduced drum sound that I just I'm not a fan of. That. Oh yeah. I don't know. It's just really flat and boring to me, but it's not a bad track. I did enjoy the track for what it is, aside from that, but it's not something I would probably listen to, (laughs) you know, normally. But I could see why it would fit in with this type of game, because the whole industrial dark kind of vampire-y vibe probably it, it, the track kind of reeks of that so it, oh, it does make yeah. sense yeah no definitely and the rest of the soundtrack is kind of similar to this type of stuff or yeah I mean it's I shouldn't say it's all over the place a lot of the score I should mm-hmm. say is, is very similar to this um, but there's also like well, there, there's a number of different clubs the entire game takes place in, in California Santa Monica Los mm-hmm. Angeles stuff like that mm-hmm. um, and of course every city that you're in has a vampire club that you can go to mm-hmm. and in the club there's usually like licensed music and is there a chess club <laughs> Vampire <No>. Chess Club. <laughs> no, but it's, it's one of my favorite things to do is actually just hang out in, in the clubs because, like, you go there and you, I, I can listen. I can listen to music that I, mm-hmm. that I enjoy. I mean, I have it on my iTunes or whatever. Anyway, sure, but, sure. And then you can watch these character models do all of the goth dances. Mm. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them, but they are funny to watch. The fluffy muffin. <laughs> the, the fluffy <laughs> muffin. <laughs> Come back to me when you've done the fluffy muffin. <laughs> <laughs> so. Speaking of... Speaking of Fluffy Muffins. Speaking of Fluffy Muffins, you mentioned earlier that this episode is sponsored by Belmont's Walmart. We have a few sponsors this time around. Yes. We are also sponsored by Smiling Jack's School for Neonates. Have you been recently embraced? Are you confused about terms like the masquerade, sabbat, or vampires? Come on down and let Smiling Jack smack some knowledge into you. It's located in Santa Monica in the alley behind the Asylum Nightclub. All right, then. So, tell me about this composer... So Rick Schaefer is a 
fantastic composer. Uh, he's done a number of different things. I, I think most of what I've actually heard has come out of this game. But he started composing music for video games in 1998 with MIG-29 Fulcrum, and then went sort of all over the place doing uh, music composition for X-Men Legends in 2004, mm -hmm. Spawn Armageddon in 2003, did uh, music, sound effects design, casting and voices, just like basically did the entire game, I guess. Uh, Doom 3 in 2004, he was a voiceover engineer. A lot of his credits are voiceover recordings or engineering. Hmm. Uh, going back to his music, he did music in Neverwinter Nights 2, uh, Mask of the Betrayer. He's done a lot of licensed stuff. <clears throat> yeah. And I get the feeling that he's probably an Activision guy. X-Men Legends, X-Men the Official Game, Over the Hedge, Spider-Man 3. Transformers Revenge of the yeah, Fallen. B-Movie. Yeah. Like, all this stuff that he's been doing, at least, you know, in the, in the 2000s, was all basically, you know, licensed stuff from Activision. Activision so, yep. the only thing that kind of trips me up is the Doom stuff, like Doom 3. Apparently he worked on Fatal Frame 3, The Tormented. I uh, did recording and engineering and editing, which... Oh, yeah. Really? That's a Tecmo game, but okay. Oh, free and, agent, maybe. Yeah, yeah, possibility, yeah. So maybe he just gets along really well with um, Activision. No, so, yeah. That could be. Cool. Well, let's go over to another game that is based out of the more Western locations. This is Dr. Franken 2 on the Game Boy, and this came out in 1997. And this track is just track four, and we think it's by Mark Cooksey, and we'll explain them a little bit more after the break.
Welcome back to Spooky Fest, and that was Dr. Franken 2 on the Game Boy in 1997. That was track four, and we believe it's by Mark Cooksey. I actually reached out to Mark Cooksey on Facebook, because I am friends with him, hmm. and I was like, you know what? Let me just double check and see if he did compose for this one. The reason why I feel that he might have is he worked on the first one, but all the music on that first game was like Bach, like uh, uh, like all classical like, reinterpretations that he rearranged. Right, right. So uh, it leads me to believe that Mark also worked on this one. Unfortunately, at the time of our recording here at the festival, I was not able to confirm whether or not Mark was the composer or not, sadly. Maybe we'll hear something back and we can confirm later. Maybe. But we'll just assume at this point that it was Mark Cooksey, because it does sound like his style. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it's got a style a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's worked on a ton of stuff over the years, mostly doing Commodore 64 stuff in the 80s, stuff like Ghost and Goblins, not okay. not Ghouls not, and Ghosts, right. Ghost and Goblins in 1986. He did the two Bomb Jack games on Commodore 64 and then 1942. He did a game called Scare Bear in 1987 nice. where he arranged the music. Jumping way ahead, he worked on Prince of Persia in 1992, Dragon's Lair in 1992 with a group called Sonics, I guess? Sonics? I don't know. S-O-N-I-X? S-O-N-I-C-S. Oh, yeah. Sonics. Okay. Sonics. Uh, the Adams Family in 1992, Speedy Gonzales in 1993 where he was uncredited. For that on the Game Boy. He's done a lot of stuff on the Game Boy. Uh, Jimmy Connors Tennis, The Fidgets in 1993, Cool World, I believe, was Ooh. the Game Boy version or the NES version. I'm not sure which, but he also worked on Gex 3, Deep Pocket Gecko, the Game Boy version of Gex 3, which I didn't even know existed. <laughs> uh, he did VIP in 2000, which I'm not sure if that's the, I believe that's the Game Boy Color VIP game, which is a lot of fun. And then the Game Boy Advance version of that is also really good, but he didn't do the music for that. I think that was actually Manfred Linsner, oh. believe it or not. So, a lot of crossover uh, in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, jumping back on the spooky train, he did Dracula Crazy Vampire in 2001, <laughs> which was a Game Boy Color release. It's like a 2D top-down kind of action game. And his final game was Rabbids Rumble in 2012, where he was part of the audio team for that. So, Mark still in the business for the most part. So, Dr. Franken 2, obviously a sequel to Dr. Franken. The first Dr. Franken game is where you play as Frankie, who is Frankenstein's monster. Basically, you're on a mission to gather up all the scattered body parts of your girlfriend slash love interest. Uh, so that is the plot of the game. And I guess her name is Bitsy. Because <laughs> she's in bits and pieces. Yes. So the first game, as we said, it's it's got stuff like Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, Box Feud Number 2, and C Minor, BWV 847, the well-tempered Clavier in C. So really like classic classical yeah. music tracks like really like iconic tracks that he repurposed and then the sequel came out a little while after in 1997 so a couple years afterwards and in that game it's a little different you have to escape a castle where he's trapped in uh, you have to find these these gold tablet pieces which will have him 
be able to, I guess, pay off like some kind of debt so that you can get out of the castle. I'm not entirely sure, but it's an action game. I don't know. It's like an action puzzle kind of game where you're like going around the mansion, yeah, you know, yeah. similar to the first one. So yeah, it's pretty weird. Not the greatest game, in all honesty. Neither is the first one. They're kind of slow, kind of clunky, but I really dig this track. It's got a nice cadence to it, like a nice like bounce. Yeah, almost like Alberto Jose Gonzalez's style a little bit, but then when the track kind of gets in the more like classical style elements that we've been talking about throughout this whole episode, that kind of like Baroque era stuff where yeah. you know you get the kind of like piano runs a little bit. Yeah. So, what do you think of the track? Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I I really enjoyed the the baroque feel that came into it, mm-hmm. and I was b- sort of bopping along mm-hmm. to uh, I wouldn't call it a groove, but just the the, the beat and the, the the flow of that track was yeah. very very nice. I mean, if you really kind of squint your ears hard enough, <laughs> uh, I guess you could call it a groove. I mean, yeah, you no. got that. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind yeah. of a groove. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I, I can't quite. It doesn't feel right calling it a groove, but I was definitely, like, I was, if it were a groove, I was definitely in it. Yes, yes. So we also want to take a moment to give a shout out to Dr. Frankenstein's Plastic Surgery, and that's on the corner of Shelley Lane and Mary Avenue. You can craft your very own neck bolts, appendages, and digital giblets, all for your special loved one. So what do we got on, next? On that note, we're going to move into... Ripple Star Catacombs, which is a track from Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards, that came out on the N64 in 2000. Mm-hmm. And of course, this was composed by Junishikawa and Hirokazu Ando. Yes.
Hey there, welcome back. That was Ripple Star Catacombs off of Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards, and that came out on the N64 in 2000 and was composed by Jun Ishikawa and Hirokazu Ando. And that is the song you hear when you die. I was Real gonna life. say, wow, like, what a mind melt. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think that that track wins me any. Um, Competition awards, no. but it is definitely a freaky, spooky, spooky yeah, track. Yeah, no, I agree that you turn the spooky <laughs> volume way up for that one. It sounds like you're trapped inside a thousand clocks. Fair, yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I was fairly certain, I, for, at first I thought I, I heard like a cat here and then I realized it must have been part of the song so there was something in that song sounded like a very very brief cat meow which okay. is just there's so many things going on yeah I mean, there is a beat there there's also you know a, a snare that keeps time and then you just have this chaotic mesh of strings and bells or yeah. gongs or bowls being hit with a really large spoon it's it's like the intro to Pink Floyd's Money oh god played inside of a clock <laughs> While your wrists are being slit. Oh, jeez. Okay. And you're playing the drums with your with your bloody wrists. Oh, oh my God. The visuals are it's like, very it, intense. It's like Kirby swallowed a clock, and you're inside the clock, and then Kirby spits you out and then keeps eating you. That's that really bassy boom. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's him throwing that's, you up. That's him throwing you up, and then after that stops, then he eats you again. So that's what's going on in the song. You know, I played this game, like, I got pretty far in this game. I got to a point where I couldn't get past... There was a part where you had to have a specific set of pieces in order to advance, and one of the pieces that you had to get from the powers, because the way that it works in Kirby, normally you suck up the bad guys and you take their power, kind of like a pseudo-Mega Man sort of thing, Hmm. and then what would happen is you would use that ability to advance in the level. In Kirby 64, what they did was they allowed you to merge two different parts based on whatever you're collecting and utilize... You had a lot more unique combinations that you could do. So you combine powers? Right, so you could combine powers. You could pick up one power, like a fire power, then pick up like a sword power, and then combine them and then utilize them as like a fire sword sort of thing. So there was one involving, I think, like a rock or something like that, like a rock power that I just... I had to go back in the game to get, and I just couldn't be bothered at the time. Mm. But I, I still own this one, and I, I really would like to finish it, because it's, it's a fun game. It's just, I don't remember this track <laughs> at all. It, it might have been one of the later levels. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, it does sound like a kind of a, a finale. Yeah, no, I would, I would, uh, I would agree. Mm. So, this game, Kirby sixty four: The Crystal Shards, as you well know, is a sequel to Kirby's Dreamland three. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot being that uh, there's a planet called Ripple Star, populated by fairies. It's invaded by these things called dark matter, and one of the fairies named Ribbon, she flees, trying to get their their sacred treasure away from mm. the dark matter. Uh, and the dark matter catches up to her, shatters this crystal thing, and then she ends up on Pop Star. Yeah. Uh, finds Kirby, and then Kirby decides to help her, and the rest, as they say, would be history. So it's Kirby, Ribbon, Waddle Dee, Adeline, and King Dedede. Uh, King Dedede. I'll go to try to help. Oh boy! Find these crystal shards. I don't know. It's been no joke. Twenty years, oh almost twenty years since I played this game. That's because it came out in two thousand. Mm-hmm. I got it when it came out. 
<laughs> I was in high school at the time. I was a junior in high school. And I remember playing it and enjoying it. And I got really far. And then I got to that point and was just like, eh, I'm not going to play this ever again. And I kind of set it aside. And um, I actually ended up selling it at one point, And I ended up getting the game back from a mutual friend of ours actually bought it for me he found it for oh, me yep. and bought it and I gave him like 10 bucks whatever, <laughs> whatever it was worth at the time I was like yeah here I'll just give you 10 bucks so it's back in my collection I want to try to check it out so but Juni Ishikawa is obviously on this one but oh, Hirokazu yeah. Ando the name is familiar but I don't know what they've done Hirokazu started composing music in 1992 uh, for a game called Arcana, mm-hmm. and then was also attached to most of the Kirby games, along with, uh, with John Kirby's Adventure in 1993, Dream Course Dreamland 2, Super Smash Bros. in uh, 1999, mm. popping out of some of the, the, the Kirby games, Picross 3D, they did sound uh, in 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the fact, Box, Box Boy series. Yep, Box Boy actually looks like outside of Kirby, most of the credits are, are sound credits. Mm. Um, so the last one being Bye Bye Box Boy in right. 2017. Same for Juni Shikawa, so that makes yes, sense. Yes, okay. exactly. Cool. So I guess they were fairly attached. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right, so we're going to move into a PlayStation 1 title, and the game is Alundra. And this is the 1997 release. The track is called Nightmare, and it is a nightmare. It's by Kohei Tanaka. Kohei.
I feel like we've entered into like the weird, wonky, crazy, spooky tracks. It's the spooky zone. <laughs> that was a Lundra on the PlayStation 1. That was the 1997 release. And the track Nightmare was composed by Kohei Tanaka. And boy, that was a nightmare. Yeah, I will say that was more fun, I think, than the Kirby track. <laughs> yeah. the, the the scream, I think, really really made it. Like, in the beginning, yes. right, right there, I was like, Definitely oh. Definitely wakes you up. Yeah. I remember when I first heard it, and I was I heard the scream and was like, Oh, it's going to be one of those kind of tracks. <laughs> so I felt like this was perfect to pick. Alundra, not exactly a scary game. No, not at all. Uh, it, it's it's more of like a Zelda kind yeah. of game. It's an RPG, I believe. Yeah, it's it's, it's like an action RPG. It's like a top-down yes, uh, right. kind of action RPG style. That you play as a character named Alundra, and he has the ability to enter into people's dreams. So that kind of makes sense uh, with the nightmare-ish nightmare yeah. Thing. Yeah, it's it's like a spiritual successor to the uh, Landstalker games oh. uh, that was on the uh, Genesis. So I did not know that. Yeah, the first Alundra is pretty cool. The I, I haven't fully played through it. Like I started playing it, but this one I believe was brought over to us in North America by Working Designs. Yeah, yep. And they do some fantastic work. It's a shame that they closed up years and years ago but uh, yeah they did Lunar Silver Star Story complete yep. yes yes they did but then Alundra had a sequel and it was just kind of meh I do remember hearing the sequel wasn't all that great not as good no hmm. no but the composer for it Kohei Tanaka the interesting thing is the music is progressively darker and darker as you go through the game because there's more like you know messed up stuff that happens throughout the game right. that makes the soundtrack transform if you will hmm. so this is obviously something that's taken probably in the later part of the game so Kohei Tanaka has done some fantastic work for some fantastic games aside from Alundra 1 and uh, producing Alundra 2 he also worked on Residence of Fate in 2010 he did the music for that that was part of Tri-Ace I believe they developed that and that's actually getting a re-release sometime soon if not already he worked on Dragon Half in 1994 where he's credited as Rouse or Ruse I'm not sure 
he worked on a bunch of the Sakura games, like Sakura Tyson, Sakura Tyson 2. Uh, he worked on Legend of Ligaya, <laughs> a PlayStation 1 game. I'm a fan of that game. Paladin's Quest in 1992, he worked on that, and a game called Zardian in 1992. His first game was Cybernetic High School Part 3 Gunbuster. Yes, yes. Uh, which is, I believe, a PC-98 and MSX game. I think so. so. Yeah. yeah, I believe we've talked about Koei yes. before. Yeah, um, as, as soon as you mentioned that, I was like, oh no, I know the, I, like, I, I knew the name originally, but yep. now I know exactly what we're talking about. He did the reboot for Bionic Commando, I guess, from what I understand. Like, the rebooted, <laughs> like, more, like, realistic version of Bionic Commando. The oh, one yeah, that came yeah, out yeah. for the 360. And he also did Gravity Rush and Gravity Rush 2, which have fantastic soundtracks. <laughs> Cannot get enough of those, so definitely check those out. Yeah, good good composer all around. Yeah, no, I agree. But Alundra is a pretty cool game. I really need to sit down and play through it. Not again, not a spooky game, but uh, definitely a spooky track. Oh yeah, yeah, clearly. So we're gonna go out with a bang, a, a very a very classic, familiar track. What do you have for us as our finale? The last track we're gonna hear for the night is going to be Haunted House, and this is from Super Mario World on the SNES. Came out in 1990 and composed by none other than Koji Kondo. Thank you. 
All right, and that wraps up Spooky Fest for today. Spooky. Just want to do one more plug. We are also sponsored by Boozette's Bed and Breakfast. It's on the corner of Vanilla Dome and Donut Plains. They're running a special free continental breakfast with Boo Eagles and Scream Cheese. Ugh. But anyhow, that track. And that was Boozette, huh? That was Boozette. Yeah, everyone, that's my girl, Boozette. Boozette. Not, not part of the, the Bowsette crowd. No. Got to be part of the Boozette crowd. I, I saw that uh, poll that you did. I yeah. for Boozette. I, that's right. I like Boozette. Yes. Team Boozette all the way. So, Mario World. Never played this game. No, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, I feel like we do this every time we have a big name game on the mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, classic. If you haven't played it, it's okay. You can, you know, just crawl out of your hole and go find an SNES and yes, play it. Yes, yes. Um, great game on so many levels, but... The haunted houses uh, are always classic. I mm-hmm. think every single haunted house has two exits that you can find. There might be one or two that only yeah. have the one, but that was one of the one of the cool features that I found out about this game when I when I was a kid. I wasn't used to like the multiple paths thing, mm. and then I was like, wait, there's multiple exits to the haunted houses. Yes. Then they, they did this other interesting thing where a lot of them had like a whole bunch of the ghosts like floating up in mm-hmm. like incorporeable in in the ceiling. So if you wanted, if you did the flying thing get freaked out because like oh am I gonna am I gonna get hit right right that was how you got in into uh, the area where you can get like a, a bunch of one ups yep where you could finish off the level and you know it kind of like opens up all the secrets this game has filled with so many so secrets many secrets I love this game this is my favorite Mario game I like, think I'd have to agree yeah, yeah this this and Mario 2 are probably my two favorite Mario, Mario 2 games. the Doki Doki Super, Panic Super or Mario the 2 levels? Super Mario 2 the one that we got the one that we got okay. yeah yeah. Not lost levels. Yeah. No. Because it's basically just Mario 1, but way harder. Way harder, yeah. yeah. In uh, Super Mario World, so much... I mean, absolutely so much nostalgia for, mm-hmm. for this game. Same here. But the, uh, the the track itself, I mean, let's... Let's talk about it. We we sure we've heard this track so so many times in our lives, mm-hmm. um, and I mean to me it never gets old. I love the way that the instruments are are used. It's it's got a lot of that deep feel. The da da. I think that Mario World did the best job of taking everything that worked in the previous games and mm. basically kicking it up a notch. Yes. I mean you had the areas where you can like jump on the fence and then like hit the fence and spin around and you yes. could walk on the back of the fence that was like mind, mind blowing, blowing yeah to me back in the day no i just i loved like plowing through this game just like beating and collecting everything and like unlocking all the star roads yep. and unlocking yeah. all the secret zones and tubular just, and radical. yeah radical <laughs> yeah 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 it's just it's such a fun game and i love the haunted house levels, just because I'm a sucker for anything spooky. So yes, yes, agreed. It's 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 always fun to revisit. Originally, it's funny when we were picking tracks for this episode. I had picked a Mario 3D World track, and then I think we decided to go with this one instead, just because you had already picked the Mario World. So I was like, oh, I'm not gonna pick 3D World. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Out. Yeah, maybe maybe next time. Yeah. Well, you know, if we do another spooky fest. Uh, I'm sorry. If we do another <laughs> spooky fest. There you go. But Koji Kondo, as you said, I mean, what hasn't the man composed? Pretty much everything for Nintendo for oh, the most yeah. part. 
you know, Mario, Zelda, you name it. Pretty much I every mean, Mario and he, Zelda. I, I am fairly sure he's had his hand in everything. Yeah, um, yeah. That, I mean, right up until Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, yep. where he had a hand in the music itself. He did recently come back and start doing a little bit more music. Maybe he missed it. I don't, I'm not sure. But oh. uh, he did the soundtrack to Mario Odyssey as well, I believe. Ah, that's really so, cool. So Mario Party, all the Mario like sports games like Mario Baseball... He did sound support. He's mostly been sound support probably since, like, early 2000s. So that's mostly what he's credited as. But that is our festival of spookiness. That about wraps it up. All you kids, get off my lawn. Yes. Go home. Go get some candy. Because right now it's Halloween. We released this on Halloween. Yes. So go out. Enjoy your Halloween. Be safe. Be happy. And most of all... Be spooky. All right. Favorite track of the episode. So I said it earlier, and it has not gotten knocked uh, knocked off. Yeah. Uh, lycanthropy was yeah. absolutely... <laughs> lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. It's like people that pronounce it posthumous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's your pick? Absolutely. Okay. With, a very, with, with a close second being... Uh, and purely for nostalgic purposes, the Haunted House theme from okay, Mario. From Mario uh, World. It's, okay. it's always, always in love with that song. Mm. Whew, okay, I'm... Ooh, I, this is tough. I love that Killer Instinct track. But I also recently discovered that Monster House track, and mm. I really dig that Monster House track. That that was it was a pretty solid track. I yeah, agree. I, I love the constant coming back, like disappearing, coming back. I'm going to say that one. I'm going to say that's my pick, because I played the Killer Instinct pick on our live show that we did when uh, I was on Pixel Tunes Radio, oh, when we right. did the, uh, yep. the panel last year, and I wanted to showcase it on an actual, like, sit-down festival, you know, studio festival yeah. sort of thing, so. So yeah, that's my pick, with a close second place being the Castlevania Bloodlines pick, the mm. Discolored Wall. That's so, fair. Yep. Good stuff. Speaking of which, we want to thank Cam Werma for his pick this time around. And we also want to thank the rest of our Patreon supporters. We couldn't do this show without them. They are Alex Messenger, Cam Worma, Chris Murray, Chris Myers, and Scott McElhone. So yes. thank you so much for supporting the show. You can support the show by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash xvgmradio. That's the best way to support us. Uh, even a dollar helps, and we have a bunch of different platforms and tiers that you can check out where you can get some pretty cool rewards yeah and one of them as you just heard today yeah absolutely yeah you could pick a track you could pick a uh, theme for an episode there's all different stuff on there so lots of fun to do head on down and give it a look yes uh we also can be found on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash xvgm radio you could check us out on there share your favorite track what you thought of this episode if you like the festival style if you want us to come back next year possibly to your town yeah yes <laughs> that'd be fun yeah i would i'd love to to go out and do this somewhere else I road mean, trip my my grass can only take so many porta potties i know i know <laughs> goodness so many uh, people. Get off my lawn. <laughs> uh, if you uh, are on the social medias, you can find us at both Twitter and Instagram. We are at XVGM Radio. You can also email us at XVGMRadio at gmail.com or find us at our website, XVGMRadio.com. That's correct. 
And before we wrap up, I uh, just want to plug one more time, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, this weekend, assuming you were listening to this episode, the week right it comes, comes out, out. Yeah, 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 or, yeah. Or, or over the next couple of days, so mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that Saturday, November 3rd, I'm participating in an event called Extra Life, where some friends and I are playing games for 24 hours to uh, help a charity, the charity that we are playing for is uh, Connecticut local children's hospitals so we are trying to raise money for children with cancer if you have any interest in supporting us or you know throwing a couple dollars our way to uh, help invigorate us to stay up 24 hours (laughs) playing these games uh, you can click on the link in the show notes and that will take you to my extra life page where you can read more about what we're doing Mm -hmm. and if you feel so inclined make a donation yeah absolutely yeah Always good to support a, a good cause like that. Absolutely. So, what do we got next episode? So, next up, we are doing a bit of a crossover with some yeah. friends of ours. Yes. Rhythm, Rhythm and Pixels. Pixels. Yeah, we are doing a crossover episode with Rhythm and Pixels. We are doing Disney Capcom, and they're doing non-Disney Capcom on their show. So, we'll be featured on their show as well which we'll be recording at some point in the near future. I'm not sure if they're going to run back-to-back, but we are going to be having them on for episode 12. That's Disney Capcom, so tons of really awesome nostalgic music to listen (laughs) to and maybe some songs that you've never heard of before. So uh, most of the tracks will be from Rhythm and Pixels with a couple of ours, and I think vice versa, we'll be picking most of the tracks on theirs. So. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I I always enjoy chatting it up with Rob and Purnell. So (laughs) good people, good times. We hope you enjoyed Spooky Fest. Let us know what you think in our respective social media platforms, Facebook, or email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. Yes. And that's it. And for XVGM Radio, I'm Justin. I'm Mike. Signing off. Spooky. Spooky.